Good morning from California and uh, welcome to Race Industry Now, the weekly webinar series from EPAR Trade presented to you by ARP, Performance Plus Global Logistics, PIC, ShopMonkey, and Fifth Third Bank Motorsport. This is episode 329, and we're going to be talking CFD with Engine Sim. Good morning. I'm Francis Savignan, the founder and CEO of ePortrait, the global platform for the performance and racing industry. This morning with me are Judy Kind, the co-founder of ePortrait, and our three-time NASCAR crew chief champion and host, Mr. Jeff Hammond. Judy? Thank you, Francis, and thank you everybody for joining us today. I'm still thrilled to see all our new sponsors for this year that are supporting this program. Uh, just deeply rooted hardcore racing categories, brands in here. And I just want to remind people that this is a platform where we've got thousands and thousands of buyers registered for access, just like walking up and down the aisles of trade shows, finding new products and services. I mean, look at today's webinar. Um, it's just, there's so many companies in here and it's just a great resource. So make sure you use the platform. So, Jeff? Well, good morning, folks. And I, I also want to say this is the second uh, webinar I've done so far this year of 2023. And I am very excited about our great sponsors that have come on and aligned with us for this season coming up. So, um, I, again, I can't uh, say enough about our guest today, Dan Agnew. He came on during the industry week, put on, put on an awesome display of what his company can do. And uh, I look forward to see what he's what he's got for us today. It should be exciting. And I'm also very excited about all the folks that are tuned in. And don't forget, ask questions. That's what this is all about. You want the answers? Uh, hopefully, he'll be able to give them to you. If not, we'll tell you how to find him so you can get the answers. And I think Dan is on. So we're going to let you take over. We'll see you guys in 45 minutes. All right. Thank you. Good morning, Dan. How are you? Morning, Jeff. Good to see you again. Yes, yeah, good to see you, sir. And uh, I hope that uh, today's webinar is, equal, is as equal to what it was last year uh, during the industry week because I found it very compelling and Again, I feel like, you know, that uh, since then, I know we had a couple of times to reflect upon it. So what, what what can we expect today? Earlier, like I said, when you came on last year, you kind of shotgun all the stuff that you can do. Your company is capable of doing multiple things. But today, I think you're going to kind of hone in and, and really kind of fine tune uh, a couple of the items. Yeah, well, today we're going to take a deeper dive into just one of the one of the technical domains that we do a lot of work in, and that's computational fluid dynamics. Um, should I go ahead and share my screen and get started on it? Yes, sir. You go right ahead because as we talk about, we want to make sure we get questions answered today and have time to do that. So, uh, okay, have at it. Let me uh, share here, and then there we go. Now we got it. I think. All right. I'm hoping you guys can see this screen. It's the title slide here. Looks good. Got that Looks good. Okay, great. Okay, what we're going to talk about today is uh, more of a focus on the CFD of modeling of performance engines. Um, we're going to got a couple of slides uh, or three slides, basically just kind of giving you a little bit of background real quick on our company and what we do. Um, 
why, why we do it and some of the tools. And then I'll get into some of uh, the vast majority of, of today's talk is going to be talking about some of these case studies and some examples. Uh, and one of them I'm going I'm to spend quite a bit of time on. So. Dan, let me interrupt you here real quick before we get going. It sounds to me like we're having a little bit of audio uh, challenge right now. You're getting you're a little bit garbled. Is there anything we can do on your end to see if we well, can help you out a little bit? I guess I'll try and stay pointed at the at the uh, at the computer. Thought we okay. had that under control, but is that better? That that's awesome right there. That's okay. awesome. I'll try not to move. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, Engine Sims have been around since 2003 uh, doing this kind of work. Um, I've actually been in the business for probably twice that long um, at, at OEs and tier ones and consulting companies. I've been at Engine Sim for, this is my 11th year, so quite a while there too. Um, the industries we work in is, is obviously the OEA automotive has a lot of need for this, tier ones, industrial off-road, consumer, and, and then also the performance industry. That's, that's what I'm here today to talk about. And we're, we're a small company. There's only a few of us in here, but for many of our, our clients, they're also small companies that may not, ha may not have their own engineering department. And that's where we kind of come in and, and fill, that, fill that gap, fill that need to give them the engineering analysis tools uh, and testing support that they might need. And then um, some of our work is also with big, the big OEs and tier ones too, um, but for those, for those companies, they might already have a lot of these capabilities. So we, we kind of fill in there and fill some gaps where they may have, uh, they may not have enough resources to do a particular job. Um, so we may just step in and help them in, in some occasions where they just need a little bit of extra help. Um, some of the domains that we work in, uh, I mean, any one of these domains is, is, a, is a whole day's presentation on itself. But uh, I want to focus more on, on the CFT, which is all the way over there to the to the right, but we also do a lot of work in engines uh, as a whole, vehicles, uh, electrification um, of any kind of vehicle, not just not just cars, but any kind of vehicle, valve trains. That's something that I, I spend quite a bit of time in is valve trains, and then also a lot of thermal analysis. That's becoming pretty pretty needy right now. Um, if you watch all the newspapers with all the issues they're having in the, in the electric car business, there's a lot of thermal issues there. And, and the, these kinds of tools can help a lot of that. You might ask yourself, well, why, why do we, why do we do this? Why do we care? Um, I'm not, I'm not pitching this to as a, as a replacement for good design and good testing, but, but actually a supplement for it. I mean, the testing is, is very important. Um, and good design is very important, but this kind of analysis really makes that work much more targeted and efficient um, and can improve the understanding. Uh, a lot of times the testing is, you don't, you get good overall numbers, but you don't really understand why, why something happened. And, and this kind of analysis really likes to take a deeper dive into understanding those whys. And you can take those thousands of crazy ideas and just filter them down into just a few reasonable ones and then to go on with very targeted physical testing. Um, for example, I've, we're, we're looking at a, at a CAM development program now with a, with a race team and they're trying to come up with a new CAM and they probably got a hundred CAMs that they wanna look at. Well, that's not very practical. Um, they're gonna blow up some dyno engines, burn a, lot of, burn a lot of fuel, 
Um, we don't do any of that with this kind of analysis. So we can filter those, all those ideas down to just a few reasonable ones with this kind of analysis. And, and there's a lot of tools out there and there's a lot of resources to help you pick from. So I'm hoping I can just kind of um, stimulate a little bit of that thought process to, to go either look at some of these tools for yourself or look at, a, look at trying to get some help, help on your projects from companies like us maybe. The, uh, the three D software that I'm going to spend most of the time today talking about is uh, it's Converge CFD. Uh, that's the brand, and that's that's not it's not a software that we sell. That's the software that we use. We we actually have to pay them a lot of money to use this software. Uh, we're not a reseller; we're a user. Um, we like this software because it's very well tailored to engines. Uh, a lot of softwares out there, some of them are really good at, at doing external body kind of flow work. Some of them are really good at doing internal kind of flow work and converge not only does the, it'll, it'll do it all, but it's really tailored to, to uh, engine work. And, and especially when you have moving pistons and moving valves doing transient flow. Um, and then if you want to, if you want to, or need to incorporate a lot of the other physics platforms like acoustics and thermal and mechanical, uh, chemistry is real big. If you're looking at combustion, doing combustion analysis, then you need a really good chemistry module in there. And electrical, um, you can, you know, if you're going to put a spark plug in there and, and light it, then you need some electrical um, physics going on there too. Like I said, this, this software is really well suited to doing moving pistons and moving valves. Uh, while you're while you're doing the flow, um, you can do turbochargers or water pumps in, with like rotating impellers. That kind of work it's really good at exhaust after treatment. Um, that's not so much a topic for for this this kind of a, of, of an audience looking at emissions and uh, and that kind of chemistry. But it's certainly very good at that. And it's got really good pre and post processing for bringing in your CAD data. Uh, setting the model up and running it and then looking at all the results. You get so much results out of this. You could spend weeks and weeks just looking at the results of one run. Um, and it, it's got some really good modules that help you take care of that. Um, and then um, it's really good at the distributed computing. You, you could run this on a laptop, but it's, but it's a, a little uh, cumbersome. Uh, we do most of our work in the cloud where we move, we move the model up to the cloud, run it, and then bring it back down to, the, to, the, to us locally. To, uh, to do the post-processing. And it couples really well to other, other people's software too, like 1D codes, uh, like softwares like GT Suite or GT Power, if you're, if you're familiar with that kind of stuff. Um, just a quick comparison, uh, at, at the risk of maybe oversimplifying this, I'm gonna go through this for a moment here. But to compare this, this kind of CFT work with like a traditional flow bench, if you're doing that kind of work, um, the resources you need, obviously on the flow bench, you need a flow bench, you need fixtures, you need machining, equipment, testing accessories, you need a computer software or a spreadsheet if you're doing any kind of uh, data management with it. For the CFD, you need, obviously you need a computer workstation, you need software and you need a license. Um, personnel with the flow bench, you need an experienced technician and a machinist to help you build your models. Um, similarly with CFD, you need an experienced uh, CAD or a CAE engineer. Um, for a test model on a flow bench, you need, you need a flow box. You need something to test. You need the flow box or a head or manifold or whatever you're flowing. Um, on CFD, you need a CAD model. Um, you got you to gotta have some kind of a CAD model to be able to work with. And the output on the flow bench is it's pretty general. 
um, and overall looking at flow capacity or it, some in-cylinder motion, sw swirl or tumble. With the CFD, you get a lot more. You get not only do you get that flow capacity and those general, those, those general uh, overall mixture motion kind of numbers if you're looking at in-cylinder stuff like we're going to look at today. Um, you get very detailed and localized speed and direction. You get heat transfer. Um, if, you, if you move into some of the advanced combustion with transient flow, then you can get burn rates. Uh, you can mix fuel, air, PCV, EGR. You can put any, anything you want in there. Um, I got four case studies. Uh, the first three here, I'm just going to just kind of touch on because th these are all very different kinds of uh, applications of the software. Um, first one was a, is a block and head uh, coolant flow, and then we're looking at an enclosure, or which you could compare that to like an underhood uh, airflow or one engine. And then I've got a, kind of an interesting example. Uh, it was a real simple overhead valve generator application, but you could certainly extend that to doing any kind of engine. Um, and that, that's going to demonstrate some transient flow with moving pistons and moving valves and combustion. And then uh, I'll spend the bulk of the rest of the presentation here talking about um, uh, double overhead cam intake and exhaust port flow. And, and here I just modeled the scope of this project and all I had really had time to package up for this kind of a presentation is the steady flow uh, with fixed valve lift. Hey, Dan. Yes, sir. You know, we talked uh, that we might want to just take a we got, we're getting some questions coming in. Yeah. And I don't want to get too far ahead of so like I say, before you get into uh, another part of your sure. presentation, um, I want to make sure we get these addressed now and we'll we'll do some more as we go on. Uh, sure. Go ahead. He wanted, uh, well, Peter wanted to know, uh, please describe how you select the cross-sectional area of an individual runner and intake exhaust mantle. Manifold, for an example, uh, is one of the questions. I'm going to give you all of them, and you kind of answer them how you feel. He said, coincidentally, I just listened to an SAE pre presentation on Converge uh, by Kelly. And okay. yeah. also, does uh, your company have a lot of experience with fuel prep and its effect in combustion efficiency? Okay, I did the the first question. If I if I understand that right, someone was wondering how we pick port cross sectional area and and runner length. Is that was that it? I guess yeah. You know, how do you, how do you pick to which which area you're going to work in? Oh, oh which what I'm going to work in? Well, it, it kind of depends on uh, what the customer's looking for, uh, uh, what their objectives are for the project. Uh, this particular project, we're trying to uh, get the best airflow we can and try and understand well, and I'm and I'm referring to this last project here uh, that, that I was going to talk about in this particular case um, we're trying to get the best airflow efficiency we can with the with the valves that we've taken up in the in the uh, in the cylinder head and as far as runner length goes I mean that's usually dictated by the package and what your uh, torque and power requirements are um, and then I guess the next I'm not. I'm not sure that the second one was a, was a question or just a statement about Kelly. From Kelly's one of the one of the principals at at uh, at Converge, and mm -hmm. um, and he he travels the world um, talking about CFD and 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 specifically CFD and engines. So that's that's good. It's interesting. He's an interesting guy. Um, and the last question, you have to. Sorry, you got to go back and let me know what that last question was. Okay, one second, I can pull it right back up here. 
It says, does, does your company have a lot of experience with fuel prep and its effect on combustion efficiency? Okay, we've yeah we've done some of that where we uh, we're actually we have a um, it's e either DI or port flow or port port injection uh, and we've done some of that with with the transient work yeah you have to address that that is part of the project really it's a very integral part of the project um, especially with DI I mean that's that's really key with the direct injection type of application so I guess the short answer is is yes that's that's kind of built into any kind of transient. Um, advanced combustion kind of CFD project. All right. Okay. Okay. Let's say, hang on, say from Peter again. Each manifold may produce one single plane torque peak or two torque peaks. Hang on a second. That thing dropped off here real quick. Hang on. Um, or two torque peaks. Sir Harry Ricardo, 1931, patent said set time average flow velocity in a single intake runner at 80 to 180 foot per second single plane i found 212 foot per second works the best do you get do you get into that de detail we, we we can but um with a steady flow cfd um no not so much that that's more of a 1d like a gt power kind of analysis where we're looking at runner runner geometry and, and port flow mm -hmm. uh valve sizing that kind of stuff and then we can we can put that Take that and put it into a into a transient CFD run, where where we can um, leave it with even with a one D. I mean, we can, we can look at those flow speeds, um, those airflow speeds um, in in a transient run in in one D code or in a in a three D code. And I've I've got a I got a slide that might address that here in a, here in a couple of minutes. Okay, sounds good. And okay. thank y'all for your questions so far. Again, okay. uh, I want to make sure we keep you updated. Okay, should we move on then? Yes, sir. Move right on. Okay. Um, okay, this first this first example is is coolant flow. Um, the, the purpose of this project was to look at the coolant flow distribution through a block and cylinder head. And then um, the only thing we had to, to play with here was a head gasket uh, due to uh, investment that people didn't have the investment money to go and look at uh, changing uh, sand cores. But we could we could modify the head gasket. So we wanted to take that and look at. Uh, um, I'm not does, I'm not sure if this shows up because on me this option three the screens are covered covering it up. Um, I don't know what that looks like on the rest of everybody's screens. But, um, but anyway, this this picture on the left is uh, the convective heat transfer coefficient. And that, that's a that's an indication of how well you're going to be transferring heat to the um, to the to the casting to the block in the head. And th this is this is the baseline case. And you can see there's a pretty good distribution from from the water inlet to the water outlet thermostat area. And so that that we're, that's one thing, an indicator of of of, um, of whether we've improved anything. And the second picture, kind of in the middle, is is pressure. You want to be able to manage the, the coolant pressure through there. And then we had we had a baseline here. And what, what I'm showing here are the percent of the average of the of the flow through the head gasket passages. And you can see there's a pretty wide. We go from all the way to 145% of the average down to 58.3%. And by the time we got to option three, it, it was it was pretty well. Uh, I can move this over here now. Didn't know I could move that. 
Okay, we got it pretty well distributed. I mean, we go from 102% or 97% uh, down to 91. So we made some pretty good improvements just by playing with the areas um, of the of the gasket. So that's the kind of work you can do with with uh, with coolant flow in a block. This next example, move this bar back over. Um, this was uh, this was a case where we're looking at at the airflow through a uh, through a, an enclosure. This happened to be a generator package, but you can imagine um, you, this this could be a, um, an engine under a hood too. Um, and the, the purpose of this was to evaluate and recommend changes to the airflow distribution um, and to optimize the air velocity, which they're, they're concerned about noise. And they said if we could if we could uh, make the air velocity more uniform and make it go down, well, then that's going to make it quieter and, and maintaining an acceptable temperature distribution. And you can see this. The picture on the left here shows what the what the velocity field is. You can see it's it's really it's all over the place. So you got some real extreme velocities that go up and over it. You got some pretty quiet velocities. And then in one iteration, we were able to to make that very uniform. Uh, playing with the front entrance on this on this enclosure, we have a very uniform velocity gradient in the front, and it's pretty uniform through that throughout there. So and then that in indicated that really leveled out the temperatures in the inside there. So that's again, that's just an example of some of the underhood kind of airflow applications we can apply this to. Um, I'm gonna play this video here. This is an example. This is the transient moving piston moving valve. Hopefully if we got in the bandwidth going here, you can see this flame growth. Uh, this is just going to run and run while I'm talking about this here for a minute. But there's three, there's three, basically three different levels of in-cylinder transient analysis. One is the cold flow. You're only looking at the flow up until the point that the valve closes, and you can learn a lot about how the how the mixture motion is set up and and the port flow efficiency. Um, if you add in the compression stroke to just before the spark plug, that gives you a good indication about what the flow field is right there at the at the spark plug at the time of ignition. And then if you go for broke, you can add in the combustion and the flame growth here, which is what, what I'm showing in this example. Um, this is a pretty extensive, complicated analysis. You can see how the flame just kind of develops, goes across, and then it just kind of wraps around itself as, it, as you're getting, as the piston goes down um, in the expansion. Okay, um, in the last case I was gonna talk about today, this is one we're gonna take a little bit deeper dive in here. Um, the purpose of this project was to supplement flow bench testing with an early evaluation of some kind of a concept port to help try and direct the hardware development uh, with both quantitative and qualitative data. And the, the process here is we used a 1D engine simulation. This is where we pulled in GT Suite to support setting up the CFD um, scenario so to speak. And then we import the CAD to the CFD preprocessor to mesh it and to set up the valve list. Um, and then we solve the CFD uh, case and post-process it. Um, this, is a, this is a picture of the 1D engine simulation engine model that we used to, uh, to uh, I guess, to answer some questions and ask some questions and answer them. Um, if you see here in the middle, we're gonna, I'm gonna show you some plots in a minute here that look at 
where we where we tapped and looked at what part pressure uh, to get the mass flow. This is the cylinder and the part. I'm showing the exhaust, but the same thing goes on the intake too. Um, and then where where the valve lift is uh, is probed in this model. And this is going to help us answer a couple of questions. Um, one is that what, what pressure or vacuum should I use my, for my CFD model for flow bench testing? And then where should I put my effort in the in the pore flow optimization? Should I look at low lift, mid lift, or high lift? Um, and then what's the effect of my changes on engine performance? So ultimately, this is what we want. This is what we want to answer. Uh, that's kind of the next step beyond the, the, the analysis that I'm going to show today. Um, this is a kind of a busy plot, so kind of uh, try and bear with me here. Um, I'll try and break this down a little bit, but this this helps helps answer in my mind what pressure I should use in my CFT model or my flow bench testing for that matter. Historically, I mean, I, I've run flow benches for a long, long time, and, and 28 inches of water has always been the pressure drop we use across ports. Um, but as I show here, uh, this this came from an engine simulation model. Um, that, that's that number is not very realistic. Um, these this red dotted line here is the exhaust valve lift. The blue dotted line is the intake valve lift. This orange line that comes comes down is the cylinder pressure. And then this red dashed is exhaust. Uh, that's the exhaust port pressure. So you can see at at three millimeters of lift. Um, I have 900 inches of water delta P across that port. Compare that to the 28 inches of water that we run on flow benches. That's not a lot big difference. Even at six millimeters, we're 301 inches of water. Um, when that exhaust valve opens, when it first cracks open, you're, I mean, you're sonic flow instantly. And uh, that's a little hard without some pretty heavy duty equipment to simulate on a flow bench. On, on the intake side, we're a little bit closer, but we're still not there. At three millimeters, um, I see an 88 inch, inches of water delta P, again, as opposed to 28 inches on a flow bench. At six millimeters, we're a little bit closer. We're 44 inches of water delta P. So that just kind of puts in perspective. Um, you got I guess you, what I'm trying to say is you got to keep that in mind when you're doing your flow bench testing that, okay, that, what you're looking at might not be real, very realistic in, in a real running engine. But to help answer the question of where in that valve lift curve should you be putting your effort, um, what I'm showing here is mass flow in the solid line. That's exhaust mass flow with the red solid. The red dots is the exhaust valve lift. The blue dots is the intake valve lift. And the blue solid line is intake mass flow. Um, and you can see here that you have peak mass flow at kind of a mid to low exhaust port lift area. So that tells me that I should be probably be putting most of my effort or concern on an exhaust port at the at the low to mid lifts and not worry so much about the, the high lift numbers. Whereas the opposite is kind of true on the on the intake where you spend a lot of time at the mid lift in the peak areas of the of the mass flow curve. So that that's, I think that's where you, where most people spend their time. It's kind of been intuitive, but it just kind of reinforces that. Um, this this happens to be at the peak torque, peak torque uh, engine speed case. 
All right, now we're gonna we're gonna talk about the CFD model specifically. We we start with a CAD model. You gotta have a CAD model. You gotta you, you can't you can't really do much without that. From that, we extract a solid air core of that model. Um, and we bring that into the preprocessor to the mesh. Uh, this is done with the converge preprocessor. You can see that here we, we have this model set up at three millimeters of lift. You can see the spark plug here, this little green square in here is a side view of the spark plug gap. Um, one thing that we did on the intake is we is we we separated out this disc in the middle um, to look at mixture motion. We wanted to just come down a little bit from the from the top of the cylinder, and from this we're going to be able to look at swirl and tumble. And as similarly on the exhaust, I wasn't I'm not concerned about mixture motion on the exhaust side, but the model is constructed much the same way the, the mesh model here. So I take this and then. I set this up for an intake, um, kind of a flow bench simulation. Um, I have a big plenum on the intake, all these, all these red panels, that's where the air comes in, it kind of simulates the room that the flow bench is in. And the light green around the bottom, that's, that's like the plenum at the bottom of the flow bench. And we set this up for, for this, this study here at, at 70 degrees F. Um, and, um, 28 inches of water vacuum. We have three cases. One of the intakes are at three millimeters, intakes at six millimeters. And then another case, just we are curious what it would look like if we put one valve at three and one valve at six. On the exhaust, much the same. We put a big plenum on the port outlet uh, and then use the same plenum on the inlet, set that up again at 70 degrees F and 28 inches of water. From, from one plumb to the other plumb. And here we, we looked at three millimeters of lift and six millimeters also. Hi, Dan, let's, let's uh, address some of these questions before we get much sure. further along sure. here. Um, Jerry would like to know, or Jerry, I'm sorry, Jerry, uh, how do you handle cylinder uh, variation of boundary conditions in a two-plane V8 combustion model? That's one question for you. I guess I don't. Uh, I don't know if I understand the question. How do we? How do we contain? How do we address boundary conditions? How do you handle cylinder variation of boundary conditions in a two-plane V8 combustion model? A two-plane. I'm not sure if he's talking about a two-plane intake manifold. I guess I, I'm not sure exactly. Maybe if if we can ask him, maybe to clarify his question a little bit, and we can okay, come well, back. I'll, I'll okay, get back with us there, Jerry. And then uh, Andrew wanted to know. Hang on a second here. I'm having a little trouble with my fingers today. <laughs> hang on here, Andrew. Every time I move this thing, thing it jumping 400 feet in one time. Uh, do you only work with engine developers on an individual product basis, or do you have any NDA agreements with engine uh, efficiency parts manufacturers? I am, uh, let's see, what else do they say? I think he wants to, uh, 
supply CAD, CAD files under uh, some imaging for valve manufacturers or intake, ma uh, intake manifold company potentially supply you with CAD files under an NDA whereby you could swap out components on your engine developer, engine developer engines, and let them know if they if there is an expected efficiency gain in whatever they are looking to optimize if they would do that <laughs> on a trial part swap. Thank okay, you. I think you just sent your contract. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd have to send that to my lawyers, but but we 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 do most of our projects are under NDAs. Um, this particular project that I'm showing you here is a is an internal uh, self-funded project that we're looking at. Um, but we do operate on NDAs. We do have some of our own uh, like GT suite engine models that are kind of generic that we can tailor to, to new projects. Um, but we don't, I mean, we're, we're not exclusive to anybody uh, at this point. Um, not that we can't be, but that's, that gets expensive when people want exclusivity. Um, and we do, we do kind of, uh, work collaboratively on some on some projects that can be disclosed you know if, if we're going to write a paper on it or do use it for marketing then we we also have ways to ways to operate that way so i i think i answered his question but i'm i'm not sure well like i say we're still here they can do a follow-up question if they'd like to richard okay. wants to know have you done any work simulating asymmetric cycles by early intake valve closing um yes Yes, we, we look at all kinds of different type of uh, cam timing arrangements that, you know, look at things like uh, uh, like Atkinson, uh, that kind of those kinds of cycles. We we do have we have a project like that going on right now uh, with somebody. Um, so we do look at a lot of those kinds of projects and you have with these kinds of models, you have that flexibility to do to do that kind of stuff very easily. All right, Jerry's got one of these questions here that I'm going to read it and do the best I can with it because uh, if you run higher pressures, how do you, with relative independence of the choke flow G slash S, again, I don't know what some of this stuff that works, but when you are choked, you've got in parentheses, once choked, flow is constant regardless of pressure, right? Yes. Yeah, when, when you choke, when that valve, when the, let's say when the exhaust valve first cracks open, um, I'm, more often than not, you're going to be choked right there, and yeah, that's and that's flow limiting, and then it and then it falls off from choked from there there on out. So, um, and this this CFD software addresses that just fine, and so does the GT Suite in a one D. It's got the it's got the physics built into it to address those choke flows. And Frederick would like to know, does Converge have the capability to compute compressible flow and predict the presence of shockwaves? Yes. Yes. It's all, everything is compressive in here. It's not, it's not incompressible flow. It's all compressive. All right. That catches us up and we still have some time here to proceed and. Okay. Um, looking at this quantitatively. Uh, the results, I'm going to move my little screen down here. Um, the flow capacity, I mean, th these 
unless you got something to compare them to, they don't mean a whole lot. But we, we, in this case, I've only shown one case, um, so it doesn't really do you a lot of good. Uh, the discharge coefficient does me a little bit of good because I look at these and say, okay, these aren't very good. These are pretty low numbers. This is based on the valve head OD. To me, that's that's an important parameter because the valve OD is what kind of takes up cylinder bore space. That's very very valuable real estate. So you want to make the best use of that as you can. And in my in my database that I've been looking at for 40 years on CDs, uh, these numbers are pretty low. Um, and the other thing that's interesting here is, is is the what I have here is angular momentum flux around the x-axis, y-axis, and z-axis. Now that's basically um, swirl. You look at this. Uh, these axes I have down here at the bottom, um, the Z is what, I, what I'm calling tumble, X is swirl, Y is what I call in twirl, which is a combination of swirl and tumble. And you can see looking at these numbers that um, like if we'll, with a four valve cylinder head like this, it's gonna have a propensity to wanna make some tumble. And okay, yeah, these numbers compared with the other axes around 10, the, I mean, the, for all intents and purposes, these are nothing, they're zero. Uh, once you start looking at the z-axis and tumble, okay, you start getting some numbers there. Um, so that's the kind of insight you can get if you set this model up to look at in-cylinder mixture motion. Um, I'm going to have to zip through some of these slides um, just because I think we're going to leave some more time for questions. But um, I, I could spend an hour just looking at this one slide here. and I see something new every time. This is a section, this is at three millimeters of lift on the intake. Um, I'm looking at a slice right through this middle of one of the valves. And you can see from an overall standpoint, you know, we got pretty good flow development through the, through the port. Um, the entrance to the port, it's a, it's a little bit off center, but I'm not sure if I need to be concerned about that yet. I don't, I don't think so yet. Um, but you can see what this, and this isn't technically choked flow here but you can see it's very restricted flow right there at the valve seat at three millimeters on the intake. And you can see uh, there's gonna be a lot of propensity to uh, separate there. If I, if I zoomed in even, even farther, you could see separation. But these are the kinds of pictures that in, you know, in, in my career, I've had a lot of, uh, I've worked with a lot of good flow bench technicians. And when I show these kinds of pictures to a to the, a, a flow bench technician, I mean, the, their eyes just light up because, it, oh, you know, like, it's, oh my God, I've never, never seen the air going through the port like that. You can stick your finger in it. You can stick your, all your little probes and tools and you can, you can poke around in there and see whether you affect, but you can't see the flow. Here, here I'm showing this, these flow bench techs that I've worked with, the, what the flow looks like. And it's very enlightening in that kind of situation where that guy can then go back and do some much better development once he can see what the, the, the physical flow looks like. This is a section through the spark plug, again at three millimeters. Uh, so you can see you got, you got some flow through the spark plug at three millimeters of lift. I'm not sure, really sure how much I care about that because a lot goes on, but after you close the valve and the piston comes up. So what the flow right now is through the spark plug, I'm not too concerned. But you can see it's just kind of, it's, it's just kind of, um, mix of motion. You have a little bit of rotation in here, which is good. Um, 
it's going to it shows a propensity that it of to, to develop some swirl. Um, and then the, here's some flat sections through uh, some horizontal sections. Um, this is these big ones are, are down um, a couple of sections below the valves, and then I move up this section. You can see I'm starting to cut through the valve, so you can you can see the the two fields that the flow makes up below each valve. And to get up into, into the throat, you can see um, how the flow is, is very different on the short side versus the long side, which makes sense. And you can see all the flow separation on the back side of the stem and around the guide. Um, not a whole lot. I mean, you got to have a valve stem in there, so you're always going to have some, the flow is always going to be a little messed up behind the, behind the valve stem. Um, but there's probably maybe some work you can do around the guide to help that. And then you get farther up up the port and it's pretty uniform. So that, that's a good thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip through the six millimeter here to save some time. Um, I want to show some of these others. This, this is a three and six section through the, the six millimeter valve. But I want to make sure I show the exhaust because I think that that's, we learned, I learned some lessons here about setting up these models. So. This is the exhaust at three millimeters. This is a section through the valve. They're both at three millimeters. And when you zoom in, you can see what the lot, there's some recirculations and some loss on the back side of the, of the, uh, of the head of the valve. Um, you can see a lot of separation. This big blue area on the short side. The flow looks like it just wants to come in here and, and detach and, and go to the roof. Um, so that that's that's a lesson we're learning here. And then on the on the on the long side of the port. Um, it comes in and hits hits the stem and the guide and, and, and gets kind of messed up behind the guide too. And the other, I'm going to show, this is through the spark plug. So through the center of the spark plug, um, the way the port is designed, you're, you're looking at kind of the end of the port. You can see where the flow is pretty well stuck to the roof and then it just shoots up. Um, I'm going to show this at six millimeters also because it's even more exaggerated at six millimeters. Look at the way this flow um, just kind of takes off through the port. And kind of what this tells me is that the setup I have here is probably not as good as it should have been. I probably should have put a section of pipe out here to extend because this is not realistic. In the real life, the flow, the exhaust doesn't just dump into the room. It goes into a manifold or, or a header pipe or something. Um, so we probably, to be more realistic, I probably should have put a section of pipe on here. Um, that's that's very typical in doing flow bench testing, but this demonstrates why you why you would want to do that. And the next time through this CFD study, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make this plenum bigger, and I'm going to put a pipe on it. So that's one of the lessons we learned. And the horizontal sections. Um, so I think I want to. To save some time here, I, mean, the, I pretty much uh, talked through some of these observations already. That I think that you know, this indicates that the flow capacity could be improved. Working the, the CDs kind of indicate that there's some help. Um, the exhaust short side detaches, uh, pushes to the roof. Um, modeling demonstrates the deficiency with the exhaust port outlet and plenum. The way I modeled it, that needs to that needs to be improved next time. 
so where I see this is going, uh, just as I kind of wrap up here and maybe have a few time for some more questions, I think you're going to see, I mean, this industry is just growing like leaps. It has been for decades, really. Um, it's going to continue to see that, and it's going to get faster and faster. Uh, there's going to be a lot more development like combustion and emissions, exhaust after treatments. There's going to be a lot of combining a lot of these models together. Um, everything's just going to get faster and easier to use. Um, and then just, I'll leave this up here while we're, while we're maybe answering some questions. Just as a reference, these are things I have on my, on my, on my shelf. But this is a SAE paper that I did quite a while ago where I talked about all those discharge coefficients. If you're interested, you can pull this down from SAE. And then my favorite textbook, gas flow and the internal combustion engine. And then my contact info, if you need to get a hold of me, you can either do it through ePartrade or you know, write this down or you can you know, find me on LinkedIn or some, anywhere. So, uh, Jeff, was there any more questions or? Yeah, we do. We, we've got some more questions as we get here toward the end of our uh, webinar. And uh, Andrew was trying to get some clarification. He said he thought maybe the main part of the question would be if you develop uh, a repository of a CAD model, that could trial with your clients that are not generally available. For example, if we have a part that we have shown to have varying efficiency increases depending upon the engine, would you have an interest of a CFD model uh, modeling all the available engines out there in order to show expected gain per engine? But we would potentially provide your CA your CAD model under in a, in a, under an NDA for you to utilize your customer simulations provided your customer has never obtained the you know the CAD file. Uh, is this a bit different than the exclusive exclusivity angle, uh, which you took to answering the question on? However, I think uh, I found my answer when I when you were given the question, so I, it was misunderstood. So the follow up question would. Your company have an interest in developing uh, this kind of of a deal? Um, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll talk to anybody about deal. Um, okay, we 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 do that. I mean, uh, no two projects are alike. Both, you know, from a commercial standpoint and a technical standpoint. So we're right. we're open we're open to any kind of variation on that. And Frederick uh, would like to know: Does the uh, Analysis presume a discharge coefficient that is one computed at 28 inches, even though the pressure differences in the simulation makes it be significantly different than 28 inches. And he said, I'm referring to the unsteady simulation. Yeah, well, I, I, I didn't calculate a CD with the unsteady simulation because uh, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to vary uh, a little bit. Um, I mean, theoretically, the CD is going to stay consistent, um, independent of pressure drop. Um, the only thing, the only time that would would change, I think, is that if if say if we went to nine, say we could go to nine hundred inches of water uh, somehow on a flow bench, um, the flow is probably going to the flow field across the port is probably going to look a lot different. Um, but if the if the flow field stayed the same, then the CD should stay the same. Um, and we, I, I don't calculate that on a transient basis. Um, mm -hmm. so I, I think that answers this question. 
Well, like I say, you now give him away if it reach back out to you for further yeah. questioning. Um, yeah. Peter, real quick, said, hey, the V-12 Allison engine used during P World War II in the P-39, P-40, and P-51 fighters had a hemispherical shape <laughs> on the bottom in the cylinder face of the valve. Have you ever studied that? Um, not not in, in not that him hemispherical that that was very hemispherical back in that day i mean mm -hmm. yes chrysler did come out with what they called a hemi um you know you, you know they're they're current what they currently call a hemi and it's it's kind of like a hemispherical and we've done some studies like that right uh, but but uh we haven't done an engine like the allison but certainly can be done i mean there's no reason it can't be okay with what we did here today uh, Robert would like to know, for example, shown for the example shown, how long did the simulation take to run? I think that's a really good question when you're doing something like this. Yeah. Um, if I move this up to the cloud, one of those steady flow runs probably runs in about five or 10 minutes. I mean, it's about, I measured in how many cups of coffee I, I can, I can hit this, hit the go key, go get a cup of coffee, have a few sips and it's probably done. Um, you spend a, a lot more time post-processing it and looking at the looking at the results and and just keep because every time you look at a new plot, then that answer then I come up with another question and I want to look at it another way. So the actual CPU time is clock time with the number of processors that I run is probably five or ten minutes. I and a follow up on that, uh, Robert also wanted to know um, at what level of cost could I enter the end user expect to pay for uh, an analysis. Okay, what 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 I showed today, um, it, assuming we get a good CAD model, because we we can spend a, a ton of time fixing a CAD model um, and repairing the mesh model because it was not a great CAD model. But if we get a very nice clean CAD model, um, this kind of analysis can be done in 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 just a few days. And that, you know, a, a base cost on it would probably be, I mean, there's no two projects that are the same, but a base base cost would probably be on the order of, of low four digits in, in dollars. Okay, very good. And then, uh, and, you know, and, then, and then you got that baseline model that you can go on and on and on with. So um, yeah. the second time is going to be cheaper and the third time is going to be cheaper. So. All right. And and Peter said, hey, you wanted to make sure we got this clarified. I wasn't talking about a head, a hemi head. The Allison valves had a round bottom instead of a flat oh, surface. Oh, the valves, yeah, yeah. No, that that is important, um, um, and it can it certainly can be studied. I mean, generally, the projects we've had were handed a valve model and said, "Here, use this valve model." Um, and then, yeah, we if we see a, if we see an issue, then we'll go back and make make a point that that's something that that our client should go back and look at. Um, mm -hmm. But that on the projects we've looked at, that that wasn't an option for us. But it, but he's right. That is important. And Robert Gurkin wanted to know your combination, your combustion slide. Excuse me, your combination. Your combustion <laughs> slide uh, showed a secondary ignition area. Was this? Was that? You know, detonation. I'm getting, no. well, they were paying attention. They were yeah, paying yeah. attention. Yeah. No, that's 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 a really good question. No, uh, that that particular video was a slice through the center. And what he saw that that it kind of came up out of nowhere was was the was 
the the flame front kind of splits in half and then it comes back around the back side of the bar and folds back on top of itself so it so it's one flame front but it's but it's really operating in 3d it's not it's not a new flame front good good question very observant yeah and robert kirk said thanks it's very interesting how many processors or cpus are you running on a cluster oh geez um I think on this project I ran 32, if I remember right, something on that order. That's why that's yeah. kind of why we run them up in the cloud because we can we can we're basically renting CPUs and we can rent as many as we want. If I want 64 or 128, um, if I you know, and when I, when I said five or ten minutes, I'm referring to this steady flow run. Um, to do a run yeah. like that combustion run, that 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 could be a, a, a couple of days uh, using, you know, 128 CPUs, something on that order. So that's an order of magnitude more complex and, and time intensive. Well, Dan, as always, thank you. I mean, like I say, you're, you're working in a, in a, I'm going to call it the 3D, 3D <laughs> world that uh, has got, you know, endless, opportunities and, and areas of where we can you know take things and we want to see what it looks like when we can't see it and i think that's awesome and i'm glad right. to see that our participants today were were uh engaged i do appreciate yeah, y'all being a part of it and uh yeah, really, yeah, really if anybody needs to, today. If anybody needs to follow up hopefully you got my contact or go through repart trade and and, uh, and find me there or linkedin and be happy to talk Thank you very much, Dan. Brilliant presentation. Uh, we actually pushed Engine Sims back on the homepage of Epar Trade. And so if you want to connect with Dan, you can go on the platform or I'm sure you, you were able to get his contact information. So thank you very much for being with us today. This webinar has been recorded. It will be posted later on the Epar Trade platform as well as distributed through our uh, different channels. We will be back next Wednesday for episode 330 and we're going to be talking fire extinguisher and uh, driver safety. So thank you very much for being with us today. Let's go racing and uh, we'll talk next week. Bye-bye. Thanks, Bye. everybody. Right. Thank you. ePart Trade is a digital platform that we've created basically to make life easier in the business community of auto racing. ePart Trade, there is no e-commerce. It's literally a connection just like at a trade show. So now, any time of the year, a buyer could reach out to a supplier. When you see a product that you're interested in, all you need to do is click on the request more information and then from there it is forwarded directly to the buyer or to the supplier. ePartrade really eliminates having to travel, closing down your shop. Now you have a place to showcase globally your racing product and technology. Land speed record holder George Poteet's speed demon rocketed 481 miles per hour at the Bonneville Salt Flats. You don't go that fast without ARP fasteners. There is no way that we could go the speed that we've gone, the number of times we've gone, with a lesser quality bolt than ARP supplies to us. And we absolutely wouldn't be where we were today if it weren't for ARP. When failure is not an option, it's ARP-Folds.com. We're Performance Plus Global Logistics. Our team of dedicated performance industry and logistics experts get valuable cars and components to the track on time in top condition. 
We provide expedited logistics solutions for the performance industry using direct routes instead of deferred options and communicate all necessary information to the appropriate resources to meet regulations and ensure a smooth transit and secure delivery, both domestically and internationally. And we exceed customer expectations by providing best-in-class service with an efficient and cost-effective system in place. Contact us today to book your next shipment. You work as hard as your truck, and you have no time for downtime. That's why more truck owners trust Blue Def, America's number one diesel exhaust fluid brand. Each batch is guaranteed pure, so you can avoid costly repairs caused by inferior DEF. Demand America's best for your truck. Blue DEF and Blue DEF Platinum. Put trust in your truck. My name is Shadron Sisson. I'm one of the owners of Electrified Garage. So the Shop Monkey software is great since we have the multiple locations. We can dive into each other's location and help out with appointment taking, inventory, customer communication. I can jump into Florida and help out and make an appointment down there and vice versa. They can make appointments down there for us up here. And then by using our inventory, they can see if we have the parts and they can get the parts ordered before the customer even comes up here. 